Well, good morning. Good to see the faithful few that can make it out today. We're thankful you chose to be here this morning. Let's stand up together. Turn to page number five. Page number five, oh, worship the King. We'll sing all four verses together as we begin this morning. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. Oh, tell of his might and sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end. Our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Amen. Great start. Let's turn to page 238 now. Page number 238. Missed something. And can it be... Page 238, we'll sing all four verses again this morning. Sing it out on the first. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain. Die for me, amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? He left his father's throne above. 
above all but love and bled for Adam's helpless grace. Tis mercy all immense and free for oh my God it found out me amazing love how can it be that thou my god shouldst die for me long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin I diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? No condemnation now I dread, Jesus and all. Aren't you thankful for God's love this morning? Amen. All right, I can come up now. Amen. He told me he was going to do that, and uh, I just wasn't paying attention. That's usually how that works. Amen. Well, sure glad you are uh, here this morning, and you braved it out to be faithful uh, to the house of the Lord. I was telling our men this morning, and I sure I understand churches. Uh, you know, they they need to do what the Lord wants them to do, and, and different things like that. And even our people need to do what what they feel uh, like the Lord wants them to do. But when I watched a stadium full of people last night, and then I saw all the churches closing their doors today, and I thought, mercy, we, we've, got, we are, we've messed things up, amen. We, we need to be in the house of the Lord, amen. If, if people like that are going to be faithful to worship their God, we serve the true and living God, amen. And so thankful that we can be here this morning. Glad that, that you are here. I know we were planning something either way. 
uh, but and and realize the conditions of the roads and and certainly our parking lot out there. If anybody wants to sled, you go for it. Amen. Uh, but sure, thankful that you're here this morning. Let's pray this morning and and ask the Lord. Uh, to meet with us because we sure need him, don't we? I'm going to ask Brother David Griffin, would you, would you pray for us, brother? Yes. Yes. Amen. Won't you be seated? Uh, just quickly, uh, wanted to make a, just just a few announcements. Of course, if you didn't get the the text, we tried to make sure we sent the text out yesterday about the change in services, and then also uh, trying to you know text and call uh, different folks that we you know may not have gotten the text or didn't sign up or anything like that. And and so just wanted to make sure people were aware. Of course, we did. Uh, cancel our men's prayer, our, our buses obviously going out, uh, and, and our Sunday school this morning. We wanted to give time for people to, you know, kind of get uh, their ducks in a row and stuff like that if they were going to come out uh, this morning and, and even give time for the sun to come up and, and all of that stuff. And so we are just having our service this morning, and then we are, we're going to not have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock, but we're going to have our regular service tonight uh, at 6.30, and I realize the sun will be down, it'll be dark, and things like that, and so, again, you, you know, it's it's it'll be up to you. You pray about it. You do what the Lord wants you to do. We believe in soul liberty around here, Amen. And so, uh, but you, you know, and but we are going to have services tonight. And so, if you're able to come, we certainly want to encourage you to be here. And you're you got safe roads and things like that. And so, we want to uh, invite you to be here uh, tonight. But if you choose to stay home and tune in online, we we understand uh, those things. But we are going to be uh, here tonight at six thirty, having our uh, evening service, and I'm thankful that we can do that, amen, I'm thankful that a lot of the stuff that was supposed to hit here uh, through the weekend ended up going up uh, further uh, north of us, and, and so thankful, I realize it's bitterly cold uh, out there, but uh, sure thankful we got a warm place to meet, amen. Uh, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, don't forget about uh, Monday, there's no uh, school and probably wouldn't it wouldn't be anyways amen and uh, so uh, but uh, uh, th- uh, Tuesday Lord willing we'll be able to start our school uh, back but again that'll depend on uh, the the conditions of the roads and the parking lots and, and things like that but as of right now we are going to be starting uh, that back uh, Tuesday uh, morning and then don't forget about the church planners conferences this week and so we'll be traveling down to Heartland Baptist Bible College uh, there in Oklahoma City uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon and be able to be there through the week for the Church Planners Conference. Brother Eric Watson, our assistant pastor, is going to be preaching uh, Wednesday night. And so hopefully by Wednesday we'll have the great thaw, amen. And uh, we'll be able to run our buses and, and things like that. But of course we voted uh, last Wednesday night. Uh, in the past several years we've been giving uh, $5,000 away at the Church Planners Conference. This year we're going to give $7,000 away. And so really excited about that and just being a help uh, to men that God has called to plant churches. People today, it's crazy. People, well, we don't need any more churches in America. No, we do. We need the right kind of churches. 
And, and I'm thankful that God is still calling men to preach and men are still answering the call and going to plant churches uh, where God has, has called them. And, and so you pray for us and we'll certainly be much in prayer uh, for you. And, and then, of course, for God's uh, guidance as we uh, kind of distribute those uh, monies. And then, Lord willing, we'll come back and next Sunday night be able to give kind of a brief report on those kind of things. But it's a blessing. If you're able, ever able to go to any of the Heartland meetings, I would encourage you to go to this one. Go to this one, the Church Planners Conference, because I'm telling you, it'll open your eyes to, and it's a blessing, but it'll sure open your eyes uh, to, to what not only what God is doing, but really the need in, in America for Bible-believing Baptist churches. Amen. Brother Eric, won't you come on ahead and let's lead us in the middle. Let's go ahead and stand again. Turn to page 656. <clears throat> this world is not my home. We'll sing all verses again this morning. Sing it out on that first. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? From heaven's open door And I can't feel at home In this world anymore They're all expecting me And that's one thing I know My Savior pardoned me And now I onward go I know He'll take me through Though I am weak and poor And I can't feel at home In this world anymore Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I won't have long to stay. My work is nearly done. I'm happy now to say my race is almost run. So long my eyes have set on heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Let's get our right shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one of you here on this cold winter day. Glad to have those visiting with us as well.
on that chorus with me now. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their song of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. Brother Tim. Well, as the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 5. As much as I'd like to read the whole chapter, we're going to start in verse 1. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. If we jump down to the very last verse, verse 21, he says, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. How? By Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brother Don Katanic, would you pray for the offering this morning? that song his child and forever i am if you know the lord is your savior you're you're his forever you can't lose your salvation let's stand together turn to page 433 page 433 for our last song this morning it is well it is well with my soul let's sing out on that first verse when peace like a river attendeth my way when song 
Somebody say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Great singing this morning.
The crowd pressed in to see this man who stood condemned to die. A man they once proclaimed as king, they now would crucify. They laid a cross upon his back and pushed him up the road. The path would lead to Calvary, he fell beneath the Lord. And as I watched, I understood the burden that he bore was more than just a heavy tree. The weight was so much more. The weight of the cross was the weight of my sin, not the weight of the tree. was scarred, his body bruised, his head was crowned with thorns. The crowd now jeered and cursed his name, the object of their scorn. He never spoke a word to them, the silent Lamb of God. This man of sorrow bore the cross, he chose to carry But somehow in his eyes I saw a love beyond the pain As if he knew his sacrifice and loss would be my gain The weight of the cross was the weight of my sin not the weight of the tree that was carried by him. My guilt and disgrace, Jesus bore in my place on Calvary's road. Neat the of the cross, the weight of the cross was the weight of my sin, not the weight of the tree that was carried by him, my guilt and disgrace. Jesus bore in my place on Calvary's road, on 
on Calvary's road, on Calvary's road, neath the weight of the cross. On which the stuff this morning. Amen. I was just sitting there thinking about, I really appreciate a lot of people that just kind of uh, jumped in. Uh, the uh, John and, and Sammy Ellis are over there doing uh, junior church. They actually were had them kind of planned to go into junior church, but they're getting baptism by fire this morning. Amen. And, and uh, just people jumping in and, and helping out with the sound and, and live stream and technology and things. And, and certainly Brother Eric doing a great job with with music and, and not knowing who's going to be here and who's going to be here and jumping in. It's a real blessing this morning. So thank, thankful uh, for that. Well, take your Bibles this morning and, and turn with me in the Gospel of Luke to chapter number 3. And uh, Gospel of Luke and chapter number 3. And if you're able to stand this morning, I want to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. Uh, certainly something that we do. We've been preaching through the Gospel of Luke uh, in our Sunday morning uh, series, and as you can tell, we we just recently uh, gotten started. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed being on Christmas Eve, being in Luke chapter two, Amen, and and seeing the birth of our Savior, the manger scene, and uh, and and even the dedication at the temple. There, we we've seen all of those things, but now uh, we come to Luke and and chapter number three, and and I want you to notice here, and and this is this is what I've said. Uh, and I said this to Brother Eric, and I said this to Brother Quinlan this morning. I, I was so torn because uh, not not just with what to do with the services and all of that, but even what to preach. Because when you get to Luke chapter 3, you get to John the Baptist. Everybody needs to be here for John the Baptist. But the Lord knows, and we're going to trust the Lord. Amen. And so Luke chapter 3 and verse number 1 says, Now in the 15th year... Of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of uh, Ider. I had this all down this morning. Ider, I, anyways, Idaria. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Idaria and the region of uh, uh, Trachonitis and Licinius, the tetrarch of Abilene. And praise God, I'm not going to go back and read those again. In verse number 2, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God. So here's the key right here. The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now, let me say this. That little phrase right there, the word of God, shows you this is not of the volition of John. This is not something of his flesh. This is the word of God coming to and through John the Baptist. And notice it says in verse number 3, And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written, 
in the book of the words of Esaias, talking about Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And notice in verse 7, Then he said, then said he to the multitude that cometh forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers. Well, that's a good way to start a message off right there, isn't it? You bunch of snakes. Amen. I bet, I bet, I, listen, I'm telling you right now, uh, listen, if John the Baptist started that out in the message today, everybody would be like, that's it, I'm leaving. Isn't that true? He says, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also is now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, every tree therefore which bringeth forth, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he, answer, he answered and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. Amen? Because it's below freezing. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you, appointed you, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. And here's one, and be content with your wages. Man, that'll preach to America right there, amen. And that'll preach to our government, that's for sure. Be content with your taxes. Go back with me really quickly to verse number, verse number 4. It's a quote from Isaiah 40. I'll cover this here in just a moment. But he says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. And here, here's the key right here. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what John's doing. He is preparing a people for the Lord. Let me, let me, let me help you with this. Jesus is coming again. Just like he is about to come on the scene right here. And what I would say to you is this, is that just as John is preparing a people for the Lord, we need to be prepared. And, and listen, here's the thing. The message of repentance and faith has not deviated. It has not deviated. It, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve when they blew it in the garden. And they had to have repentance and faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The law came along, but it was still repentance and faith. And John is calling them back to a true message of repentance and faith. And guess what? That's what we need to have in our day and time. So I'm just telling you, that, that's, that's the idea here this morning is this. Are you prepared? Just as Christ is coming on the scene and John is preparing a people for the Lord, Jesus Christ is coming again and we need to be prepared the exact same way.
And I believe there's some tremendous things that we can be challenged on today. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated this morning? Now this, this is, if you go back to what we saw uh, there at the end of, of chapter number 2, we saw the Lord Jesus as a, as a 12-year-old boy. And he is, uh, this is what I, the way I put it, is that, you know, he's left there at the temple. He's about his father's business. And the way that I would put it is this, is that he was chomping at the bit, so to speak, to, to be about his, his father's business. But we also know this, that that scene ends with him subjecting himself to Joseph and Mary until the right time. So now we get into chapter number 3, to which I would say to you, according to verse number 2, and the word of the Lord coming to John, the son of Zacharias, or the word of God coming to John, the son of Zacharias, what I would say to you is this, is that the timing of God is now coming to pass. Luke, Luke accurately records those holding the political offices and even the high priest offices there in verses 1 and 2 at the time because the ministry of Jesus Christ is going to have a powerful impact on both of them. All right? And so, and I want you to think about this. Some 18 years have passed now between chapters 2 and 3, all right, Joseph the earthly father of Jesus, all right, his earthly adopted father, so to speak, however you want to put it, has now passed off the scene. He's passed away. John is now 30 years old and still in the wilderness from the end of chapter number one. But all of that is going to change now as the word of God comes to John the Baptist. Here's, here's the way I put it in my notes. John the Baptist will be the man sent from God with the message of God to prepare a people for God. That, 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 that's the, the idea. And again, as already mentioned, uh, the, the message to us is this, is that just as Jesus is about to come on the scene here for his first appearing uh, to uh, Israel and even to the, the world, I, I would say to you this, Jesus is coming again. And we need to be prepared in the same way. That's what I thought about when I was studying this. In fact, I already alluded to it a moment ago. John the Baptist wouldn't be allowed to preach in most churches today in America. <laughs> he wouldn't be. He, because here's why. Because people don't want to hear stuff like this. They get offended by it. Because we think way too highly of ourselves. And we think very little of our God. That that's the reality, but this also shows us, listen, this also shows us that we are not as prepared as we think we are for the Lord Jesus Christ to come again. You, you understand? If anything, I would say to you this morning that we need to get back to this kind of preaching. <laughs> Some of you go, wait a minute, we have this kind of preaching. I know, but we need more of it. You understand what I'm saying? But, but, but here's the other thing, is that not only do we need to have this kind of preaching, but God's people need to have this kind of attitude of the multitude saying this, what do we need to do to make sure that we get right with our God? Because it's almost like we have this attitude that God's going to get right with us at the end of this life. That's not how it's going to work. 
that's, that's not how it's going to, to work. In fact, I would say this, that if you have the attitude that Herod has at the end of this passage that we'll see next week where you just assume that the man of God be put in jail so you don't have to hear about it, that probably tells you where you're at with God. You're not right with God and you need to get right with God. And I'm just telling you, that's a powerful, powerful thing here. But the idea here is this, is that John the Baptist, his ministry was this about preparing people to meet with God. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that that's what the ministry ought to be about today, is getting people prepared to meet God. When I was in school, listen to this, I hated pop quizzes. You with me on that? So you, you understand what I'm saying? I hate it. You come into English class because that is my worst subject. If it's math class, I'm fine. Throw it, throw it at whatever you got at me. I'm, I'm ready. But in English class, boo. And you come in, and I'm, I'm just telling you right now, the, you come in on Friday, you're excited about the weekend, and the worst words you could ever hear is the English teacher saying, all right, students, uh, put your books under your desk and get out a piece of paper and a pen and get ready for a pop quiz. That is not just going to ruin your day. That's going to ruin the rest of the weekend. You, you understand what I'm saying? Here's what my favorite, you know what my favorite test is? Open book test. That's my favorite kind of test. Open book test. Because that, that almost ensures you to make an A because all you got to do is open up the book and find out the, the, correct, the, the correct answer. But here, So here's the thing. What if the teacher told you this? All right, on Monday, you come in on Monday. All right, class, we're going to have a pop quiz on Friday. You need to be prepared. Well, that's a blessing. Now, I just got to read the whole book the rest of the week and make sure I know everything and memorize but here's the thing. What if she gave you the answers to the questions? Then all you got to do is memorize it. What, what about this? What if she said, what if she said, all right, here's what the questions are going to be, and here's what the answers are? That's my kind of teacher right there. That's, you get an apple. You get a dozen apples. You get a bushel. Listen, listen to me. That's exactly what God's done for mankind. That's exactly what God has done. He has given us, you understand that, that one day there is going to be a test for all of mankind. Every person, every person in this room, every person listening online, they are go, we are all going to stand before God. We are going to be judged. We are going to give an account of ourselves unto God. And God has given us both the questions and the answers to the test. All we need to do is make sure that we are prepared and we are ready. And that is exactly what John the Baptist is doing as he comes on the scene right here in Luke chapter number 3. Now as I begin to ponder these things and I begin to ponder where you and I are at in our day and time, I want to warn you of a couple of things as we get into our text this morning. And that is this. The first thing that I want to warn you about is this. Don't be a people that are so caught up with temporal things that they never consider the eternal things. You, you understand? The devil, I'm telling you, the devil is having a field day with this right now. I, I watched it last night on TV where it's zero degrees outside and there are people out there watching a football game 
while churches are closing their doors on Sunday, but I guarantee you, the majority of that, thousands of people out there have no clue what's happening in, in the Lord's houses today. Because they're so caught up in, in this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, so I told Natalie, I said, you could, I, there's no way. Unless you let me build a fire where I'm sitting, ain't no way. And I listen, and, and here I am sitting in my living room with the fireplace and a space heater, and I'm still shivering. Ain't no way. But that's what the devil is doing. Listen to this. He is keeping men blind to their spiritual condition by distracting them with the things of this world. And after all, please listen to this. He is the prince of the power of the air. That's what he's going to do. I told the kids in chapel uh, Wednesday, I, listen, the devil's not sitting on a throne in hell wearing a red suit and holding a pitchfork, friend. L listen, he is very much involved and active in this world. And I want you to think about this. Man, man has a soul. You have a soul this morning. That is the real, that is the real you. The inner man is the real you. And that, that soul within you is going to spend eternity, even whether it be in heaven with Jesus Christ, or it's going to be, or it's going to spend eternity in hell, waiting on the great white throne judgment and eventually the, the lake of fire. And what I'm trying to get across to you is this is that the eternal destination of the soul of man is determined by our decision on Jesus Christ. But what the devil is doing is he is deceiving men by getting them to focus on the temporal and feeding this rather than dealing with this. And never considering their soul and its eternality. And I'm just telling you, listen, there's a need for you and me to be prepared because one day, I'm just telling listen, one day we're going to breathe our last breath or either the Lord Jesus is going to return. Somebody say amen. And I'm not trying to be, well, you're just, man, you're really morbid this morning, preacher, and you're negative and all that. No, 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 I'm real. That's real, and you need to understand that. And listen, man spends his life uh, with, with sports and, and money and, and, and family and, and temporal things and and, and, and treasures, and, and what's going to happen is this, we're going to die. And then after this, the Bible says the judgment in what's going to matter when you and I stand before God is not how much money we made or how great our sports team was or whatever the case may be or how big our house was. None of those things are going to matter. What's going to matter is whether or not you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what's going to matter. Whether or not you truly repented and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that you need to be warned of. Be careful. Be, be careful to replace what the Bible says with what man and religion have to say. Because if it differs from this, you're not really prepared. You're not really, you, you're not really prepared. Because here's, this, this is the way I look at it. If the devil can't deceive man by focusing on the temporal, he'll try and deceive man with religion. Well, preacher, you got religion, you're a Baptist. No, 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 no. I got a relationship with God. That's why I'm a Baptist. You, you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I, be, be a fact, that this is much, be, you look at our text, this is exactly what John the Baptist is going to expose with, with the Jews during his day. Let me, let me give you some things about John the Baptist. So let's, just, let's just lay out some things about his character that even kind of deals with this same warning right here. 
He is obviously bold. I like it. I'm going to start my message out next week. Good morning, you bunch of serpents and vipers and snakes and son. He calls, he calls the religious crowd. I mean, he just, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of snakes in verse 7. John pulls no punches. He pulls no punches. He's dogmatic. He's matter of fact. He's straight, he's, a, he's what I would call a straight shooter. He is confrontational in his preaching. And, and please, please, don't, please don't misunderstand this because I think we need, to be, we need to bring balance to John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't mean-spirited, he was bold. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And by the way, there's a difference there. Because I've seen men of God today... Who, who claim to be, you know, claim to be John the Baptist-like, but they're really mean-spirited and ugly and hateful. And that was not John the Baptist. John the Baptist was bold, but he wasn't mean-spirited. But here's what I, would, what I would say to you, is that John the Baptist exposes the deception of the Joel Osteens of our day. Positive preaching, listen to this, positive preaching is deceptive. But by the way, intellectual lectures are also subtle because they don't truly prepare people to stand before a thrice holy God. They stimulate the mind and they might appeal to the emotions, but they do not confront the soul with the stance we have before God. Biblical preaching is confrontational. It confronts man with his sin and then calls him to repentance and faith. That's exactly what John the Baptist does in our text. That's what, listen, also this, John the Baptist, let me help you with it. I know this is kind of educational and note-taking, that's fine. But let me, let me, these are things that people Get they misconceive about John the Baptist because people read stuff on the internet and everything on the internet is true. That was sarcasm. But John the Baptist is not an Old Testament prophet. He's in the New Testament. What more evidence do you need? You understand? But here's the thing. He's not an Old Testament prophet. He's the forerunner of the Messiah. That's the biblical, biblically correct office that John the Baptist holds. And especially note this, his message will be the same message Jesus preaches to begin his ministry, as well as the apostles that follow Jesus Christ. Be a fact, did you know this? All of the apostles, save Judas Iscariot, obviously, all of the apostles under Jesus Christ were saved and baptized under John the Baptist's ministry. Did you know that? Well, well Why? Because this is what God demands to be prepared. This, this message right here. Um, uh, the point is this. Let, let's, this. This is what I wrote. Listen to this. The point in all of this is this. Let us not view John the Baptist as an anomaly or something strange and different so that we can then justify a deviation from biblical preaching. Well, you know, John, he was just that. Listen, I'm not saying we got to start wearing camel's hair and eating locusts. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you want to have that for lunch today, cool, whatever. I'm not. I've even seen chocolate-covered crickets. I'm out. You know what crickets are? Bait. 
That's what you catch brim on in bluegill. Crappie. Then you can eat that. But I'm just telling you right now, I don't care what you put chocolate on. It matters. I'm not, listen, I, I realize, I understand some of the unique things about John the Baptist, because here's why. He's the Elijah-like prophet. If you were reading in the Gospel of Matthew in your daily Bible reading calendar, you just read yesterday the Mount of Transfiguration and how the, apostle, the disciple James and John and Peter came down with Jesus Christ. And they're going, how come everybody keeps saying that Elijah's got to come first? We just saw Moses and Elijah talking with you. And Jesus says that was John the Baptist because he is that Elijah-like prophet that would come. And so that's the uniqueness about him. But I'm telling you right now, his message and his preaching and the way that he confronts people with the truth of the things of God. Please listen to this. That is not something that should be strange and unique. And here's why. Because Jesus picked it up and did the very same thing. And so did his apostles and the disciples in the New Testament throughout the book of Acts. And what I'm saying to you is this. It is the foolishness of preaching that God chose to save them that believe. And he may have been strange in those days, but his message would not only prepare people for the Savior, it would be proclaimed by the Savior. Therefore, we still need this message and this kind of preaching in our day and time. So, so let's, let's notice here. Let, let's get into this thing here. As already mentioned in verses 1 and 2, and I'm not going to go back and read and mispronounce all those names and cities and things for you. I'll save you that. But we understand this, that, that Luke's gospel gives us this accurate time frame for the start of John's ministry. I mean, it's historically accurate. It shows you the validity of Luke's gospel, the truth of the Word of God. But then if you'll notice at the end of verse number 2, it says there that the Word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. I like the way John's gospel puts it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And so, but again, this, this shows you that he is the man of God with the message of God. Now look down at verse number three because this tells us his message. It says this, and he came into all the country of Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And as already noted from verses four all the way down through verse seven or verse six rather is a quote of Isaiah 40 in verses three in four, because John the Baptist would fulfill this and be the man that God would use to prepare the way of the Lord with this message. Now I want you to go back to verse number three. Because again, here's the message of John the Baptist. Preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now I think obviously we need to be clear on some things right here. Would that be Okay. I think that we need to make sure that we understand some things here. Like, like for instance, this. This is not a works-based salvation message. The key to understanding this is the little word for. F-O-R. All right? Because here's what it literally means. It literally means this. Because of. So, in essence, what John is saying, or what his message was is that it was the baptism of repentance because of the remission of sins. Let me, let me, I like, I like the way Robert Sorensen, 
Um, I, I know Brother Quinlan quote, uh, quoted him a lot uh, when we were doing our men's Bible studies and stuff. I love, I've got the Sorensen commentary, and he explains it this way, and I like it. Hopefully, it'll get your attention. So the word for, he says, can be used in the sense, quote, John Doe is wanted for bank robbery. See, that got your attention right there. We're robbing banks now. We just went from preparing people for the Lord to robbing banks. What happened, preacher? I know. But, but listen, John Doe is wanted for bank robbery. Now, when we say something like that, the idea is not John Doe is wanted so that we can commit bank robbery. Not unless you're looking to rob a bank. I don't know. But I'm just saying, we, when we say that John Doe is wanted for bank robbery, we would say it like this. He is wanted with here that, that certainly apply to our day and time. But look down at verse number 7. So we've laid out who John the Baptist is, his message, the fulfillment of, of, of Isaiah. And then in verse number 7 it says, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from, from the wrath of God. So what as already mentioned here, the comment of vipers was directed to the religious crowd that had come in, uh, to inspect John's, John's ministry. You know, the armchair quarterbacks. You know, I, you, and you feel that pressure as a preacher. Because, you, you know, in our day and time, that's, I mean, basically you look at almost any news program, uh, whether it be politics or sports media, or whatever the case may be, there's always critics. Well, guess what? There are oftentimes that people come into the house of God and they have that same mentality and that same attitude. Let's see what this fellow's got. Well, here's what we got. And there might be some spitting and some hollering and some shouting and some jumping, but it is what it is. And if you think you can do better, by all means. I'm just saying to you, that's the reality. So John calls them a bunch of vipers. But, but again, it's, it, it's Matthew's gospel that clarifies this in Matthew 3, 7. He says, but when, ye, but when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And I like this, if you keep studying, even in Matthew's gospel, Jesus also calls them a bunch of vipers during his ministry. I just don't think that's very Christ-like, call somebody snakes. Well, Jesus did it. I'm telling you, that might be my new favorite word, vipers. But Luke's gospel also points something else out. Look at what it says there in verse number 7. Then said he to the, what's that word right there? It wasn't just the religious crowd, was it? There was also a multitude that came to him wanting to be baptized and before they did, John lays it out to everyone that they had better be sure that they are coming for the right reasons. That's what he's doing right here through this whole thing. And you know what the first right reason is? The first right reason is this. You better make sure that your faith is in the right person. Look down at verses 8 and 9. Here's what he says. He says, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Watch this. And then he says this. And begin not to say within yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. 
For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And in and, and verse number 9, And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, there, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the lake of fire. So the message to the religious crowd, the message of the religious crowd was a works-based salvation. Works of the law, the, the made-up rules of the Pharisees. Come on, and, and all of this, hey, we have our lineage as Jews in our father Abraham, but, but here's what John is, is laying it out. Here's what John's saying. There is one coming that is greater than Abraham. Be, be a fact, in John chapter 8, when Jesus is dealing with the religious crowds at the end of the chapter, He says it like this, before Abraham was, I am. You understand? What? Son! All right. The bottom line is this. The bottom line of John's message here is this, is that being of the seed of Abraham wasn't good enough. And by the way, even Abraham had faith and, and, it, and believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. You, you understand? And, and so this is what was needed for, for baptism. God was about to cut the trees down of all this lineage stuff with Jesus Christ. Because here's what Jesus Christ is going to proclaim in John, I believe it's chapter 14. I am the true vine. Might be chapter 13. But don't, 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 don't let my getting the chapters wrong miss the message that Jesus is the true vine. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what, what, what John is saying right here is this, is that you need to have your faith in the right person. It's got to be in Jesus Christ alone. Now let me give you some things here, just really quickly. Most of you know these. It's not in another person. It's already brought out. Abraham, the father of Jews, could not save them. Look down, at, look down at verses 15 and 16 of the same chapter in Luke chapter 3. Look, look at this, and we'll see this next week. And as the people were in, in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You know what John's saying? John's saying this. Please listen to this. John's saying this, it's not even me. I can't save you. Abraham can't, can't, can't save you. Please, please listen to this. Religious leaders of this day cannot save you. Muhammad cannot save you. Buddha cannot save you. Gandhi cannot save you. These are all men who died and are still dead and in the ground. But by the way, the Pope cannot save you. Mary, Mary cannot, Mary cannot save you. Peter, Peter cannot save you. We were in Italy last year, and uh, we actually got to tour St. Peter's Basilica. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but Catholicism makes much of the verse over in uh, Matthew's Gospel. Uh, and again, we just read it in our daily Bible reading where Jesus promises the keys of the kingdom and of course, they immediately interpret, it's a, it's a false interpretation to say that that's to Peter and the Catholic Church. 
But much is commemorate. They got statues and, and things that, that commemorate that event of, of Peter getting the keys. And there's a statue of Peter holding the keys. And here's the statue of the keys and all of, all of that stuff. Let me, let me help you with this. Peter was not the first pope. Peter was in Babylon. Read first and second Peter. He was in Babylon. And, and Peter is not the rock in Matthew 16 on which the church is built. Jesus Christ is talking about himself. And by the way, Peter points that out in his epistles. The message that Peter preached is not salvation through the Pope or Mary or the church. The message Peter preached is salvation through the rock who is Jesus Christ. That's what he was crucified upside down for. Please understand this. What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that it's exactly like the Bible says. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And, and, and listen, he's the only one that rose from the dead, thus proving that he has the authority to grant eternal life and forgiveness of sin. Now let me help you with something else. It's not a work either. Folks, if it was baptism... If it was baptism right here, then why the correction? Why, why, why does John stop as the multitude comes to him to, to be baptized? Why does John stop and, and challenge them to get their heart right with God? To ch check who their faith is in. And, and just, hey, if baptism saves you, then come on in, boys. The water's fine. Dunk them down and cleanse them. You know how nasty that Jordan River is? I mean, it's pointed out by the captain of the Syrians in the Old Testament who was a Naaman. Nasty. Because it ain't the water, it's faith. But it matters who or what you got your faith in. It's, listen to me, it's not a birthright either. And listen, it doesn't, if, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or you're white or you're American you still need to be saved. You say, preacher, that's silly. I mean, who? No, no, I've had people say things like, well, you know, preacher, I've just always known God. Well, that's great that you were brought up in church and you were given an understanding about God, but you weren't born, you weren't born saved. You're born a sinner. And you've got to be saved. You've got to humble yourself and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You, you listen, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So, so you understand, it's not, you, you, you know, it's not a birthright. Well, I'm just, what do you mean? What do you mean do I go to church anywhere? I live in America. I know I'm okay with God. Have people tell me that on the, knocking on their door. No, if anything, you need the gospel of Jesus Christ if you live in America. What a privilege to be able to hear it. It's not a birthright. Listen, it's not about some emotional experience. Well, I mean, I, I, I got baptized and these big goosebumps came up on my arms. Well, that's great, but did you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Or is it that every time a man of God stands up and confronts you on your sin and your need to be saved, you go back to your mind's eye and how big those goosebumps were and that's where your faith and trust is at. Hello? And I've even had people do the same thing with repeating prayer. And I've gave, given this testimony before, but when I was pastoring in Cassville, we had a, 
a lady in the church, and she was one of the deacon's moms. And when her husband died, a heretic went over there and took advantage of her emotional state and led her in repeating some prayer so also he could get a notch in his little so-called spiritual belt. What a nut. That is wicked. That is ungodly. And, and here's what happened. After she repeated this prayer, she struggled with, with she didn't want to be in church. She didn't, she, she didn't want to get baptized. She didn't, want to, she didn't want to do what was right. But she had a son and a daughter-in-law that were in church and just kept encouraging her to come and challenging her to come. And so she, kept, she would come every now and then on Sunday morning. Well, we have the ABCs of Christian growth in our discipleship class. So she said, all right, I, I really, I need to grow in my faith. I'm, I'm getting old up in my years and my time's probably coming. And so I need to get prepared. And, and so she signed up for the discipleship class. We got all the way to the letter W, which is witnessing. And she couldn't fill it out. You know why? Because in the letter W in witnessing, it requires you to give your testimony. And she struggled with it because she didn't really have a testimony. I never forget the night we were having class and she came in and she showed me her workbook and she said, Preacher, I couldn't fill any of this out. I'm just don't, I'm struggling. And she started telling me her heart. And I said, Well, sis, normally I would stop and I would deal with somebody in a situation like that. But I knew that night in the service, my message, I was in the gospel, I was in the book of Acts and I was right there with Paul's testimony. And this was my message that night. Do you have a testimony? And so I said, sis, I said, I said, listen, let's just wait. And you sit through the service tonight. And if God speaks to you, you respond. And so I preached, I gave, I preached the message. I gave the invitation. And probably about the second verse, she steps out. 70-something years, 72 years old. And comes down and walks the aisle and gets down on, on the altar. And then we had a lady, one of our ladies come and deal with her and took her back there to the back. And so we waited after the service. And then they came out, and the lady, uh, the lady that was dealing with her, she came out, and she said, Preacher, you ain't going to believe that. She said, you could see the light come on when she realized that her faith was in the words that she said instead of in the one that she was supposed to be saying them to. And it clicked. And she bowed her head and called on the Lord and trusted Christ as her Savior. Amen. 72 years old, and I baptized a deacon's mom into the church. You know what was funny? What was funny was this. After she got really got saved and born again, you didn't have to just twist her arm to get baptized. She was like, I want to get baptized. I've been saved. It's amazing. It was crazy, too, because like her daughter-in-law was like, I, did, I, I, don't, I don't have to call her and go, are you going to church on Sunday morning? She's calling me on Saturday night going, you coming to get me? And guess what? Then it became, it just wasn't a Sunday morning thing. She was like, I'm coming back Sunday night. And I'm coming on Wednesday. Isn't that amazing? Because when you get your faith in the right place, the things that happen, the change that's exactly what, I'm telling you, that's exactly what John is exposing in our text. Let me give you the second thing, and I'm through. Look, look down here. Look, look at this. So look at what happens here. All right, look at what happens in verse 10. And the people, and the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? 
And to which I would say this, one, one thing that has to be commended right here is the attitude of the people. Because after hearing that, that they've been trusting in, what, what they've been trusting in is false, and they need to have repentance toward God in faith in Jesus Christ, they're coming to John going, what do we do? We don't care that you call us snakes. We know we are. Isn't that amazing? But, but here's what I would say, is that this shows you that they were truly considering his message and their need for forgiveness. They weren't offended or angry. They were humble, and they understood they were sinners, and the wrath of God was abiding on them. Though we understand it's not about what we do, but about who we have our faith in, it was an honest question from a lost people. What do we do? I remember when I got saved. I remember realizing that I was a sinner, that Jesus Christ had rose from the dead. You know what my question was? What do I do? And the reality is, I did do something. I got on my face and called upon the name of the Lord. But when it came to my salvation, He's the one that done everything. So, so, but, here's, but here's what I want to point out right here. When they come to John and they say, what do we do? John doesn't say, nothing. He gives them things to do because John the Baptist understood, listen to this, that real repentance and faith on the inside would manifest itself on the outside with a changed life. Because here's why. Proper preparation is not only making sure your faith is in the right place, it also is about making sure you truly meant business with the Lord. Because when you're serious about it, guess what? Serious things will happen in your life, like change. The bottom line here is this. Listen to this. Talk is cheap when it comes to God. God's not interested in your lip service or mine. God is interested, listen... He's not interested in convenience, which is what we really like. God is interested in sincerity, a consecrated, sincere heart before Him. And here's why. God's not just going to examine your lips when it comes to judgment. He's not going to go, well, you know, you had good intentions. No, He's going to examine your heart. And a heart that truly humbles himself before God and repents will truly begin to change before God. Look at verse number 11. They say, what do we do? And he says this, He, answer, he answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. So this is directed to the people that ask him that in verse 10. What do we do? The instruction is this, love and care for others as opposed to being selfish. Give a coat to someone who doesn't have one if you've got two. Give someone food that doesn't have any when you have plenty. Genuinely love and care for your neighbor. Because that's what God's people should do. That's a no-brainer. Look at verses 12 and 13. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. 
So he deals with the publicans, Jewish tax collectors working for the Roman Empire. They were known for charging the people more so they could skim off the top for themselves. They were greedy. They were dishonest. They were liars. You know what John says? Stop it. Because the repentant will do the opposite and they'll be honest. Look at verse number 14. And the soldiers said likewise, of, uh, demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Those the, though these are oftentimes depicted as Roman soldiers, it's most likely these were Jews hired by the Roman government to police their own people. But again, the instruction is much the same. Stop roughing up people without cause. They don't have iPhones to film you. Stop accusing them falsely. And, 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 and something else that they like to do was to gripe and complain about their wages. But the repentant heart is content with temporal matters and fair to people. When it's all said and done, I think we can see here. Would you agree? There's an expectation to change our behavior. Our attitude, our actions, how we treat people, the way that we live. Come on, somebody say amen. Because, what, because that's what someone does when they truly mean business with, with the Lord. And please understand this. I'm not saying that everything has to change overnight. I, I understand that. But I am saying this. A heart that truly repents, a heart that really means business with God, there's going to be some change that happens. Now, let me get down to the where the rubber meets the road for you and me, and I'm through this morning. Number one is this, and I want you to listen to this. It really scares me to see so many people in our day and time profess to know Christ as their Savior, yet there has been little to no change. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, I am a man just like anybody else. I don't presume to know your heart. I don't presume to know anybody's heart. I don't know. I can't, I can't open up somebody and go, yep, you're good. I can't do that. I, I don't know. I don't, and I sure, I sure, as pastor of Faith Baptist Church, I don't ever want to make anybody doubt their salvation. If anything, I want people to be prepared. You understand what I'm saying? You with me? So, so here's the thing. All I can say is this, what I know. And according to this scene, when someone really means business with the Lord, and by the way, they should, it will result in some change taking place. So that means this. When someone does profess Christ, but nothing does change, and they go about their merry way, something's wrong. Something's wrong. When it comes to that time and place where we have called upon the name of the Lord that the man of God often asks you to recall, what I would also ask you to recall is this. Make sure you meant it. Make sure you are serious about it. This ain't fun and games and chewing gum and marching down the aisle with your buddy and having a good time. 
This ain't doing something because you want to make mom and dad happy or your spouse happy or the preacher happy. No, it's, it's about getting right with Him. And make sure you understand that. But here's the second thing, and I thought about this too. You know, I realize probably most people that are here this morning and even listening online are saved. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. This little principle right here, it doesn't just apply to the lost who need to be saved. It applies to me and to you who want to have right fellowship with our God. Because please listen to this. Even when it comes to us being saved and wanting to have fellowship with God, you only offer up lip service, that's not going to cut it with Him. He's not interested in convenience. He wants real consecration. He wants real repentance. He wants a true humbling of the heart and real change even in our own lives. And so maybe it is that that's why you've come in here this morning or maybe you're listening online and you just kind of say, you know, preacher, I've been kind of feeling spiritually empty lately or a little flat in my, in my walk with the Lord and I'm just kind of struggling. I don't have prayer uh, fellowship like I should. And my prayer life isn't what it needs to be. Well, here's what I would say to you. It's not, it's not Him. Even when it comes to me, I know this. It's not Him. It's me. And what He's waiting on is for me to get serious and to not just say the things that I know that He wants me to say or to acknowledge the things that I know that He wants me to acknowledge. I think He's waiting on real repentance and a desire within the heart to say, you know what? I'm not going to get up from this and go right back to that. I'm going to put it away. I'm done with it. I want to be with you. So as John the Baptist is preparing the way, this is what he dealt with. And what I would say to you is this, Jesus Christ is coming again. And we need to make sure we're prepared. You need to make sure you've got your faith in the right person. And you meant it. And the way that you know that is the change that God's been doing in your life. But if you're saved this morning, we're still, we're still supposed to be meaning business with our God. And we need to be ready to. Let's all stand this morning.